Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen to the show. Okay, folks, let's just kind of cut to the chase. This is definitely a different type of an episode. And, you know, I I guess we had a breaking news story happen here in the States a few days ago where an Indiana woman was found dead with her eight-foot python wrapped around her neck in a house full of 140 snakes. And this story was sent to me numerous times, you know, via email. People also reached out to me on my, you know, social channels, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, basically asking my thoughts. I feel like this podcast is a perfect, you know, platform to address this type of a story. Um, Just kind of before I get into this, I just want to give my condolences to this young gal's family. And this is just such a horrific accident. And, you know, she was 36 years old. She was a mother of two. She was a reptile lover you know, a, you know, reptile enthusiast, like we need more of you out there because reptiles get such a bad rap. So I, it's just such a sad story. I first and foremost want to say though, that this is a freak accident and this rarely, rarely happens. And the reason why these stories, I mean, are, are, you know, picked up and they become, you know, worldwide news is because they're so sensational. They're so sexy to the, you know, to the media, because this sounds like a scene out of a horror movie, you know, lady found dead with a pet snake wrapped around her neck with 140 snakes slithering around and this big thing. And it just sounds like this, like I said, this big sensational thing. And so I kind of wanted to look at the facts and what the authorities have reported on. So here's what we know. She was found dead in a home. It wasn't actually her home. This, this house was actually kind of quote unquote, a reptile house that had, like I mentioned, over 140 different snakes. All of the 140 different snakes were actually in their enclosure, so they weren't loose. She had gone over, 20 of those snakes were hers, and she had gone over, um, you know, assuming to, you know, clean the snakes, check on the snakes, obviously handle one of the snakes. She took out the reticulated python. Next thing you know, she is found dead on the floor. Now, I have worked with, you know, pythons for, you know, over 17 plus years. I have worked with reticulated pythons very closely. They, um, I actually had one for, oh my goodness, how long for like, I, I think like eight years I worked with a 17 foot reticulated python. So I've, I've worked with them extensively. So let's just talk about the snake. They are found in Southeast Asia and they are the longest snake species in the world. So they can get over 30 feet. There's some reports over like 36 feet, although some people dispute that saying, oh, you know, they skinned the snake and they, you know, stretched it. So some, you know, reptile people are like, oh, they can only get 32, 33 feet, whatever the case. These are huge, huge snakes. They can weigh a few hundred pounds. Now, a lot of people, just to clear some stuff up, a lot of people think the biggest and, you know, the longest snake in the world is the anaconda, which is actually a type of boa. And the anaconda is actually the heaviest snake in the world. So they don't get as long as, as the reticulated python. They can, you know, get up to 20 feet or so. And they'll weigh like 500 pounds. I mean, they're huge snakes, but they don't get as long. But they are bigger and they're found in South America. So that's the difference. So the longest snake in the world is the reticulated python. The heaviest is the anaconda. But let's just put it like, let's just put it blank. I mean, they are huge, huge snakes. And so, you know, people do keep them as pets. They do have, regarding the big snakes and just kind of regarding the reticulated pythons, they can be, you know, quite tame if you do handle them. Some of some specimens, though, they can be feisty. They aren't going to be as calm as some of your other large snakes you see in captivity, like the Burmese python. 
in my experience, when I worked with our reticulated Python, she, she was nice, but we never used her for hands-on programs because there were sometimes, maybe if you were to go into her enclosure, maybe sometimes she would strike, maybe thinking there was food coming her way. It's just like a natural instinct because these are all wild animals. So with that said, and I think I think I should just put this uh, first and foremost with any exotic animal. And I remember some guy told me this a long time ago. I was like 14 years old. That was when I was um, volunteering and I just started at our local herpetological society. And some guy, you know, told me, he said, you know, Corbin, when you work with exotic animals, it's like playing with a loaded gun. At any point, it could go off. And that always stuck with me. And it really is true. I mean, you know, you are working with these animals. And, you know, and I work with over 30 plus different exotic animals every day from pythons, alligators, you know, tortoises and iguana, turtles, you know, whatever. I mean, they still are wild animals. And so you do have to express, you know, caution. Now, for those of you, you know, who are wondering, well, is this a venomous snake? No, uh, you know, pythons and boas, they're non-venomous, but they kill their prey by constriction. And um, that is, you know, they found this snake loosely wrapped around her neck. Now, I want to point out this reticulated python was eight feet, okay? An eight-foot reticulated python would not be able to swallow a, you know, full-grown human. It's just not possible. Now, reticulated pythons have been known to kill and eat people in Southeast Asia. Once again, though, it is fairly rare. A lot of these big giant snakes aren't even around anymore because that, you know, people have just killed them and they've just, you know, like I said, been villainized for so many years and, you know, people are scared of them, which, you know, in the villages, it does make sense. These are big snakes that take down pigs, monkeys, and deer. It makes sense. But like I said, usually when a large reticulated python has killed or eaten a human, it's, you know, someone who's, you know, elderly, someone who's sick or a young child. And so, with that said, in captivity, very rarely do these snakes actually, you know, kill and, um, you know, eat humans. It's actually pretty much unheard of. Now, there are attacks, you know, people do get bit. Like I said, you know, in the industry, I've been bit by large snakes, this and that. And I, going into this profession, you know, it is always my fault. 100%. I'm working with these animals. You know, these, you know, they're still wild animals. Now, I, I can't stress enough, this is a freak accident. And so, I don't think, and this is just my opinion and, you know, take it for what it is, but I don't think that this eight foot snake intentionally went out to go and try to constrict and kill the owner. I think what happened is this gal had this reticulated python, which I'm assuming she did have a relationship with. I'm assuming that she, you know, this was one of her snakes from what the report says that, you know, she's held this snake numerous times. I feel like she was, you know, probably having it around her neck. She was, you know, you know, playing with the snake, this and that. It started getting tighter and tighter and tighter and to the point where she completely lost control and to where it completely kind of took her blindsided to the point where she was like, oh my goodness, she could not get out. And the snake eventually killed her. Now, this has happened, and this is obviously a big snake like this has never done this to me around my neck, but even some of my smaller snakes, let's say like my ball pythons, or even, even my wuma python, which only like four feet, right? I have had them before around my neck where I'm just, you know, hanging out with them. And, you know, of course, our necks are warm. These animals are cold blooded. So our necks feel nice and warm, right? I have had, in, you know, instances, especially with my ball pythons and fellow reptile people, let me know if you've ever had this, but, uh, you know, they're around my neck. Then all of a sudden they do get tighter and tighter and they actually like get tighter and tighter. And it's almost as if like 
that natural instinct almost kicks in. Does that make sense? Like that instinct, like these animals are still so primitive that, you know, they're around our neck, we're warm, they can feel, you know, our, our, our body, you know, our blood pumping, and it's almost like this natural instinct kicks in, and I think they can squeeze harder and harder, and that's happened to me. Now, this was a small ball python or wuma python, I'm able to, you know, obviously untangle them, but I believe this is what happened to this unfortunate lady, and I do want to point out that a lot of people believe, and you know, this is this, you know, and in when I went into, you know, the wildlife education business, you know, this is what I was preaching to people. And, you know, until recently, a lot of people thought that these boas and pythons kill their prey by suffocation. And actually in recent findings, which is, this is really, you know, a lot of people don't even know this still even in the industry, but in recent findings, scientists have found that instead of suffocation, that these boas and pythons actually kill their prey by cutting off the blood supply. So it's actually a lot more effective evolutionary wise because prey takes a lot longer to suffocate and to actually die. But when you cut off the blood supply, right, the organs with the high metabolic rates, such as like the brain, the liver and the heart, they begin to shut down. So they literally just will have a heart attack and that's how they kill their prey. And that's what unfortunately has happened to this Indiana woman. Just to uh, point blank, I don't think that this snake was like, oh, I'm going to eat you. Like, I'm going to constrict you. I just think this was just an accident. I think an instinct kicked in and she was by herself. And unfortunately, she could not be saved. And I have been attacked by a, by a python before. I was 13 years old. I um, had my eight and a half foot Burmese python attack, you know, bite my hand and then, you know, coil around me when I reached inside of its enclosure after I smelled like a rat. 100% it was my fault, but it had to be for about a good minute and a half. And luckily I had my cousin there and she was able to help me. And what's, I guess, interesting, what a lot of people don't know is that there's only a few ways to get these snakes off of you. And a lot of experts will argue that these large constrictors can be more dangerous than even venomous snakes. Because with venomous snakes, depending on the species, you do have some sort of shot at like anti-venom, right? But with these big constrictors, if you do get one around you and you are alone, it, you know, as it has just been proven, it can be deadly. But when I was attacked, it happened so sudden. And I remember hysterically telling my cousin just to get hot water. Because I remember reading in my reptile magazine get hot water because the hot water will basically startle the snake and the snake will release its grip. Another thing they said was alcohol and my cousin probably drank it all. So that's why we didn't have it. Sorry, Annie. Um, and then they also said in a report, they said, if you bend the Python or Boa's tail backwards, they'll release it. And we tried the backwards thing. It did not work, but the hot water works like a charm. The snake let go. I still actually have that snake to this day. His name's Buddy. I don't blame him. It was my fault. I smelled like a rat. I reached my hands in there. He got me. I was young. It happened so sudden. But that's what happens. I mean, sometimes you just don't... I mean, I didn't expect going in there thinking I would get attacked, and I did. And I, I, I just... I feel like, once again, that she was just, you know, had this snake out. She was interacting. Then all of a sudden... Things just took a turn for the worse and instinct an instinct just kind of, you know, took in and she wasn't able to get out. And so once again, my condolences, uh, you know, go to her. I do want to say that, you know, you know, when we are 
working with these big snakes. I feel like, you know, there, there, there really should be some safety measures put in place. And, you know, whether it's letting a friend know, hey, I'm going to go down and, you know, clean the reticulated pythons enclosure or, hey, you know, uh, or maybe like having a whistle. For many years, I had a whistle I'd wear around my wrist. Anytime I am out, you know, either I'm feeding the snakes or moving the snakes from this exhibit to the next, you know, when I, when I am feeding, I will have someone there with me or I'll let someone know like, hey, just so you know, because these things, you know, can happen. Um, I, I do want to stress, though, this is extremely rare. It is extremely unfortunate. The snake uh, really should not be blamed. This is just a, this is an, this is an animal that's still wild and I'm sure if Laura was still around, she wouldn't want the snake harmed. And I don't even know what they did with the snake. They probably, and I don't know. I am. I'm assuming they probably euthanized it, but, um, yeah. So I just, like I said, freak accident, very unfortunate. If you have any uh, thoughts, please, uh, please let me know what your thoughts are on my Facebook page or Instagram or Twitter at Corbin Maxi. Let me know your thoughts, whether you're a, you know, fellow herpetologist or, you know, reptile lover, um, or just anyone like, what are your thoughts? Like, do you blame the snake? Do you think that these snakes should still be kept in captivity? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I personally feel like there are people who are experienced who can care for them well in captivity. I, I love my big snakes. I love keeping them. I don't want someone coming to me saying that I can't ever have them again. But, you know, we I guess we do need to know as a culture that, you know, they can be dangerous and things like this do happen. Okay, with that said, um, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. This is an unusual episode. Normally, I interview someone who has a passion for animals or who, you know, works with animals and we, you know, talk about different topics and how they got into the career. So I really encourage you to check that out if you did, uh, I guess, enjoy this episode or if you did learn something. Um, As always, please make sure to rate and review the show. And I love hearing from you. Once again, my email is info at CorbinMaxi.com. With that said, look forward to this next week with some new podcasts coming out. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.